All right. So another story I want to tell you about Mike Lindell is that you always see him with a cross on. First time I ever saw him it was in Washington, D.C. at the National Prayer Breakfast, he had a big cross on. He is a Christian, and it's great because he's not afraid of his faith. And one of the other things you can get beyond the 100 products that he has, like the slippers that I've talked about, or the small pillows for your back if you're sitting too much in a chair, is you can get some religious pillows. Now, here's one. This has to do with Noah, Noah and the Ark. And on the backside, they have stories about Noah and the Ark. Now, some people may be offended by that because they think it's politically incorrect to talk about your faith or politically incorrect to call yourself a Christian. I think it's terrific in this day because the world has gone to hell, and we all know that. And it's good to know that even if you have grandchildren, you have young children, you want to get their morals and their values in order, you can always, and it's not just Noah that Mike Lindell is pushing. He's pushing all the biblical stories on these small pillows for kids. So if you're interested in having your kids introduced to some values and some Christian values and Christian beliefs and the stories in the Bible, go ahead and order any of these biblical pillows for Mike Lindell. Now, how do you get them? You get them by the promo code CDM. That's us. So just put in promo code CDM and you can get a biblical pillow for your grandchildren or your young children. And now let's get to our guests. So today in American Conversations, we have our good friend, Mary Holland, who is the president and general counsel for Children's Health Defense back with us. Mary, welcome back. Um, We need to do an update with you on everything that's going on now. It's the beginning of April. Uh, you know, this is, it's a long haul since January. We had the Defeat the Mandates March that we covered in Washington, D.C. We had the Truckers Convoy in Canada. We had the Truckers Convoy in Washington, D.C. They left D.C. They're heading to California for this weekend for the Coast to Coast Defeat the Mandates March again. And I understand that some of the truckers may be coming back to the East Coast afterwards. So this is a, I don't know how long they're going to drive across the country. But anyways, let's let's uh, dive in here. Let's first talk about, uh, you know, what this big event on April 10th yeah, in Los Sunday. Angeles. Sunday. Yeah, so, um, so yeah. So back in January, there was a big rally in Washington, D.C. And I actually wasn't there. I was at the same time in Brussels, Belgium, right before the European Parliament, uh, because they also had a huge rally for just people saying, you know, there is no pandemic exception in our constitutional democracies. You can't deprive us of all of our fundamental rights indefinitely saying, you know, there's a bug. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it actually, sadly, the demonstration that I was at in Brussels was broken up uh, with use of water cannons and um, dogs, and they threatened to bring in horses and trample people. So that got broken up. But the one in D.C. was completely peaceful, which was fantastic. And there were, you know, somewhere between 50 and 70,000 people. It was very energizing. And it seems to have broken through the press boycott of this topic a bit, Christine. And mm-hmm. so many of the organizers in DC were very encouraged. We need to do this again. We need to do it on the West Coast. We need to do it sort of in the belly of the beast, Hollywood, sort of propaganda central for US messaging. So it's this Sunday 
Uh, it's in LA. Uh, a lot of the same speakers will be there, not exactly the same, but many of the same speakers will be there. Many people from Children's Health Defense National and also from Children's Health Defense California will be speaking. Again, I'm not going to be at that rally. I'm going to be at a different rally. I had previously committed to go to a rally in New Hampshire, which in many ways is the most kind of freedom-oriented state in the Northeast. Uh, and so I will be in Concord, New Hampshire tomorrow, April 9th, uh, to speak about freedom and the importance of uh, preserving our rights. Is, uh, isn't the nickname for uh, New Hampshire free, free First or something like that? Uh, well, I'm not sure what that is, but they, they're they way ahead of the other states in the Northeast. So, you know, don't tread on me and uh, live free or die is, is, is their motto. But when you look at New Hampshire compared to Maine, Vermont, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, uh, New Jersey, it, it's really quite distinct. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to being there and um, seeing really what's going on in New Hampshire and how we can transfer some of that activism to preserve fundamental rights and particularly health freedom rights uh, to other states in the Northeast. Um, for instance, New Hampshire does allow a physician to prescribe anything they want to treat COVID, unlike New York, where the attorney general is putting doctors on notice that if they prescribe, you know, ivermectin, uh, they may lose their license. Um, you know, th that's just one example, but there's a number of very good bills in New Hampshire. And um, so I'm eager to be there. Well, we're interested in all these state legislations uh, beca because when we uh, inter interviewed people for about the April 10th, I interviewed a number of your colleagues about the, the California statutes, and I was pretty, well, I was pretty Cal surprised. Oh, uh, California. Uh, yeah. So the legislation in California, really, there's nothing quite like it that I'm aware of, although a lot of states, including my state, New York, has some bad bills. But California takes the cake, as they say. So there are bills, you know, about giving children uh, consent. We just had a victory in Washington, D.C. A preliminary injunction was granted against uh, District of Columbia law giving children as young as 11 the right to choose any federally recommended vaccine, including COVID shots, without their parental knowledge or consent. So in other words, the city, this the, the the district and physicians would hide from parents who had religious exemptions on behalf of their children. They would hide the information from the insurer and from the parents that the children were vaccinated. And fortunately, we got a preliminary injunction stopping that law. But that's on the ballot. That's on the you know the legislative ballot uh, in in California. Also um, further restrictions on doctors. They did one piece of good news, Christine, in California was last week, a Senate committee, a labor committee was going to be hearing a bill um, to require shots of all employees and all independent contractors in California to require COVID shots. And they didn't have the votes to take that to the committee. So that was taken off the agenda. We don't know, you know, they may try to bring it back, but that was removed, which was a good, a good sign. Mary, from, from when you take a look at these pieces of state legislation, I always want to know who are these people that come to the table in front of their colleagues and basically say, "So we're going to hide the information and we're from the parents. We're going to give these kids shots. They may have a bad reaction, but we're basically saying to the family, screw you. You're going to be stuck with whatever happens to your child.'" I got it. I mean, who are these people that so, think this is correct? I'm happy to send you all the background on this, uh, Christine. So in Washington, D.C., it was a law professor at George Washington who's on the city council, a woman named Mary Che. 
and she led the charge. And because and who was paying her? I'm sure, you know, that's your job. Uh, you know, know no doubt that there was money that changed hands. I have zero doubt. And remember, one of the what what was unique about the District of Columbia, and we tried very hard to stop that before it became a law. We tried very, very hard. Um, what was unique about the district is it's unicameral. There's not an assembly and a Senate. There's only one city council. It's pervasively right. democratic. And so there was a health committee. The health committee had one father who spoke up and he said, my 11 year old can't figure out getting his homework done. You think my kid should be able to like make a life or death decision about a vaccine? And we worked with advocacy groups that did fantastic videos about the absurdity of this, of 11 year olds not knowing their medical history, not knowing what's in these vaccines, not having any idea what they're consenting to. Uh, but it went through, Christine. And then as you in the district, it then goes to Congress because Congress kind of oversees this non-state territory and Congress did nothing. We worked with people to try to get it on Congress's radar, didn't happen. And then it became law. And then we filed lawsuit on behalf of parents who objected, who had religious exemptions on behalf of their children. And at first the judge was reluctant. He didn't quite get it. He wasn't sure that there was really uh, an issue where he felt like he could um, sort of take, could really address this. But, uh, but then we had a second hearing in uh, March and the judge ruled and granted a preliminary injunction, which is really exciting. We don't quite who is, know. Who is this judge that's presiding over this case? Um, Christine, I'd have to go back and look at his name, but I, I wasn't in the courtroom. My colleague, Rolf Hazelhurst was there and also um, Informed Consent Action Network, Dell Bigtree's organization had also brought a lawsuit um, and Aaron Siri was there. So the judge had consolidated our two cases and Rolf and Aaron argued at the same time. And um, I think it was really one of the plaintiffs that we had, um, that we were representing, that Rolf was representing that really was crucial. This was a 12 year old boy who had serious medical conditions, as well as the father having very clear religious principles and, and both parents. But this child um, did a drawing, which we included in our submission to the court. And it's this you know, child's drawing of a, of a boy. And, you know, it says, dude, get vaccinated, do the right thing, you know, do it, you know, and, and here's this kid. And it just brings across this incredible stress on this child that the teachers and his peers are telling him to get vaccinated and just go with the flow and do the right thing and be one of the team. Uh, when in fact, you know, his family's decision is that's not right for him. The pressure that, that people are imposing on other people is, is truly extraordinary, especially when, when I have, I've interviewed now so many vax injured and in some cases they didn't want to take the, the, the oh, and, and, and then they well, can't walk. Overwhelmingly that people don't want to take it, Christine, and they may even makes it worse. They may have that nagging sense in the back of their head of, you know, I really shouldn't do this, but my boss, my this, my that, you know, and I know as you do, you know, not only people who are permanently injured, but people who are dead, you know, mm -hmm. people who are dead several months later. But one thing I want to sort of mention, Christine, is, you know, it's springtime, it's April, 
you know, in the regular cyclical nature of, you know, respiratory illnesses, uh, it's on the wane, right? It's going to be the spring, there's not going to be anything in the summer, but it'll be back in the fall. And so many people and a lot of the restrictions are lifting, not all, but a lot of restrictions are lifting mask mandates, testing mandates, vaccine mandates, a lot of them are really now sort of being put you on still have to, You still have to wear them on, on an airplane. On an airplane, although there's a very significant lawsuit that's been filed uh, about that for with some very serious uh, federal actors like airlines and pilots and so on. But my point is, is that I think everybody's sick of all of these restrictions from the last two years. And for most people, the level of fear has receded with sort of whatever they did, it, the, the fear has receded. But I just really do urge people, don't think that these restrictions have gone away. They've just sort of gone into dormancy. They're not going away. And there's a lot happening right now. The emergency powers aren't going away, not in California. Governor Newsom has you know, announced his smarter plan, which is everything uh, going forward, having those powers. The same thing with the governor in New York. The Biden administration hasn't given up on emergency powers. And right now there's a um, meeting of the World Health Organization really to try to enlarge their powers and to uh, have the ability to declare emergencies really essentially at the drop of a hat. So and, and in, addition, in addition to that, Mary, when when Biden comes out or Fauci comes out and talks about having an international preparedness pandemic treaty akin yeah. to the climate uh, Paris yeah. Accords. Every time they do that, I take a look at the World Economic Forums because I'm on their mailing list, their mm -hmm. email list. I take a look at where their positions are. They're absolutely in cahoots with this lockstep. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was it was interesting. Today we did an interview with Danny Bulford, who uh, was who's on the SWAT team uh, up in Canada as a cop, but he he became, he left. He chose not to. He left the law enforcement. Chose not to get a shot. And he was just telling us that you know even though it's kind of simmered down in Canada now at the, at the, they're, they're still trying to do things at the provincial level and there's, and there's, you know, sneaking back to do things at the federal level uh, that, you know, he actually had his bank account frozen uh, and he said it was amazing. It, he couldn't, when that happened and the automatic deposit for his mortgage, they couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean it, it's, you know, so people need to pay attention. Oh, absolutely. This is the harbinger of things to come, right? That they will close you down. You can't interact in modern life. And it's interesting, Christine, I lived in Russia for many years and uh, I'm in touch with my friends and colleagues in Russia. And, uh, you know, their bank accounts also in the West are completely frozen. They cannot access any of their funds. So there are new methods that are meant to be expanded, right? Um, that's what digital central bank currencies can do. This is part of the kind of global agenda. People really need to understand what that means. It means that you can be frozen out from interacting uh, in the modern world, essentially. Not only that, but you, you will not be able to take care of your responsibilities. Right. Well, you it, might lose your home if you dem your home peacefully demonstrate. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this is, uh, you know, the good news on that, Christine, was that after uh, Prime Minister Trudeau did that, after just a few days, uh, because it was so clear that this was going to decimate the financial system in Canada, he stopped it. He walked it back. 
But this is in the arsenal that world leaders are really looking at right now. It really oh, is. absolutely. And people need not forget also that Justin Trudeau and uh, the deputy minister of Canada, um, Ms. Freeland, yeah. also are members of Davos's young leadership That's with true. Macron and other people across the globe. I mean, this well, is. And, 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 you know, yes, but I, I, I th hope that at some point you'll do a deeper dive on that, Christine, because I do think that uh, while clearly that's a very exclusive club and they groom people, I also think it's important. I don't I, I personally feel like I don't know enough about what's happening there. I, I don't know that it's as deep indoctrination as I think we tend to imagine it might be. No, not necessarily indoctrination. There's a lot of ideas. This is not YPO, where people show up. Um, this is not young presence organizations. There are policies that come out. There's international treaties that they form. They have people from every continent. This is not just the white man's Western oh, European. No, 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 not at all. This is this clearly is, like people to run the world. I'm just suggesting that uh, I don't know how deep it goes, and I... I just don't know enough about it myself. Well, I do. I do. And I and I, I think people should be very, very aware of what comes out of Davos and that they can take a look at what's happening on some of these draconian pieces of legislation and then take a look at their website because their policy papers are out there. They're not hiding what they're doing. No, but the they're fact not. that they're using the economic coercion, well, which is akin to the, the, what they're using in China. The CCP it's, it's, has their passport is basically, you know, you get points if you play with if you play the same game that they want you to play. Well, it's a, so I mean, I think social credit scores. Actually, I was on a call with some of my European colleagues last week and they were telling me that in Bologna, they've already introduced a social credit score system in Italy. So, yes, absolutely. This sort of social credit score, this 24-7 surveillance, you know, sort of the great reset, build back better. I mean, here's our president taking the slogan of the World Economic Forum. So clearly there's there's clearly a connection there. Um, absolutely. Well, the person who's, you know, I don't know whether you know this or not, Mary, but Ron Klein, who is uh, the czar, he was the czar at the White House during Ebola for the Obama administration. He's now the chief of staff to... Um, Joe Biden, uh, and he is um, handling some of the COVID response uh, because of his past experience. He also is a member of the World Economic Forum, and he is uh, he worked for Steve Case in between the Obama and the uh, Biden White House. And it's very interesting to me that when he was outside of government and he was working for Steve Case, whose wife is at the Revolution, and he has a contract with Steve Case that he can go back to government and then come back to revolution uh, when, they, when the opposite uh, parties in power. And then you, you have the transition to uh, Steve Case's wife, who is on the chair of the board at National Geographic. And those are the people who were behind the Fauci book and the Fauci documentary, as Bobby was writing his Fauci book. You know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, think, I think that the connection of the dots is important yeah, for people I to agree. understand. Yes, uh, you know, it, it it all does come down to people, right? It does. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not institutions, it's yeah, people it's who make the decisions. People, and it's human connections that make things happen. And I think what you're pointing out, um, Christine, to me is this sort of the propaganda that we've been living through, and we've been living through intensive propaganda, you know, that there are 
public-private connections on that. So National Geographic did a sort of Hey Geographic film about Dr. Fauci and, um, you know, the uh, the wife of the partner of Ron Klain, you know, is the person who made that happen. I mean, there is a very tight circle of people. And yeah. it's an elite. it really genuinely is an elite. And uh, I think, you know, it's um, <laughs> why revolutions are fought, you know, that there can't be this subgroup of people who basically decide everything for everybody else. Are you hopeful at this point? Because you've been in the fight for such a long time. Are you oh, I am. I, I, I tell people, to me, what's happening is it's the dream within the nightmare. You know, the dream is that we've awakened millions of people, Christine. We've never had the kind of people like you and the lawyers and the physicians and the scientists. We've never had the kind of robust millions of people around the world working together. I just got off a call where there were people from, you know, every continent in the world virtually talking about how do we defeat this World Health Organization upcoming pandemic pandemic preparedness treaty and, you know, how do we message things? And there's a level of connection and collaboration and joint understanding of what's happened that's unprecedented in this area of sort of vaccines and informed consent issues that I've been involved with for a long time. But on the other hand, it's in the context of this nightmare. And the nightmare is you've got people like Bill Gates and, you know, President Biden saying the only solution is every person has to be vaccinated with this experimental product that could kill you, by the you know, it would be part of a script for a horror show. Oh, my God. It's reality. Or, or people joke, you know, don't forget it was not so long ago. What, when was it? It was in December that President Biden said, you know, if you're not vaccinated, it's going to be a very dark winter and you're going to die. I mean, you know, you if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to die. And if you do get vaccinated, you could die. <laughs> No, it is. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, you it's, can't it's, make it up. You can't make it up. And uh, sadly, I do believe, Christine, that uh, this is a lull. They're going to sort of let things slide a little bit, get people off their guard. Uh, we have every reason to think that, you know, back in the fall when, you know, the flu shot season and it'll be the coronavirus season and it'll be the, the vaccination season that things will rev back up. And, you know, the World Economic Forum has been telling us for some time that there will be you know, cybersecurity crashes, there will be financial bank crashes. We've got a very serious, very dangerous war going on. Your colleague Todd, uh, mm -hmm. you know, was in Ukraine. That is a terrible thing that is absolutely having huge repercussions everywhere now. And, you know, the thing about a war, you know better than me, you never know where it ends up, right? I mean, who you knows? Don't. You don't. And, and we're, we're, we're talking to people uh, who are in the refugee space uh, taking care of these people. And there's an awful lot of unaccompanied. Well, millions of refugees already. Already the food supplies have been disrupted. We have the president telling us there will be food insecurity. You know, refugees. It's so tragic, Christine, to see refugees being weaponized. And that's really what's happening out of Ukraine in Western Europe. And then you know, in the United States, we have people who are refugees and people who are undocumented, you know, entrance into the country. And they're also essentially being weaponized, in my view. Um, so it's a very, you know, there's a lot of dark things going on. But at the same time, there are a lot of genuinely hopeful, inspiring, light things going on of people coming together, people standing together, people creating new networks, people creating new jobs, people creating new schools. There's a lot of creativity in what's happening right now, which is very inspiring. And honestly, Christine, I, 
I do have faith. You know, I do have faith in human nature. Human nature has a dark side, but it also has a light side. I really don't think that people in today's world want a centralized uh, one world government. I really don't think that's what people want. I don't right. think that people want to live in a world with no privacy, 24 seven surveillance, you know, some distant, you know, robot to tell you, you can and can't do whatever it is, or to turn off your money supply or to give you a social credit score. I don't believe people certainly in the United States uh, are going to accept that easily. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Well, they may not accept it, but they have to watch who they choose as their leaders because the leaders will lie to them. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, mean that, yeah. that's the, my, my, my problem is we're going to make the word choice obsolete. Because well, it's medical, it's, social, yeah. credit, financial, you know, and if you don't go along with the program, well, I mean, I, this, this people, people have to understand back in the 1930s, bank accounts were confiscated. You know, so we, when we all say this is shocking, <clears throat> I mean, I, I really thought that that was a red, huge red flag. I was, yeah, absolutely. When that happened, I thought to myself, these people are peaceful, but the, the mainstream, we had people on the ground there, but the people who were uh, the reporting it from Canada, the mainstream, they were talking about that it was violent and it wasn't. No, it wasn't. There, it there's wasn't. a lot of lie. I mean, listen, the, the, the propaganda and censorship of the media has been, you know, horrible, really horrible. I mean, the media, not you and Todd Wood, your colleague, but media generally, mainstream corporate media has absolutely, you know, fallen down on the job, worse than fallen down on the job. They've been, they've been complicit. They've been collaborators with the government, the governments worldwide in essentially a cabal and a coup, right? And they've been sort of doing pharma's bidding and, you know, brought to you by Pfizer is like the tagline of every show on television. Mm -hmm. So, you know, media has been a huge part of the problem. And it, both on the side of propaganda and on the side of censorship. I, I, I did live many years in the Soviet Union. It's like, there's a reason that governments employ this. It works, right? If you control the narrative, you put out propaganda and then you censor the other point of view, that's it. And that's basically what's been happening for the last two years. So, so in, in the last year, Mary, when people are waking up, because you've been in this arena for a long time, what is it that you witness that people wake up? I mean, everybody has their epiphany moment, but what what are some of the points, uh, the pointed points that you know that this works? What, well, what I mean, there's nothing like waking people up when somebody that they love is injured, Christine. I mean, that's what woke me up. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know from this until, you know, I had a, a, a severe permanent injury in my own family and it wakes you up. You know, it, they, there's no question that's the, the biggest wake up call. And because the COVID shots are experimental and they are so injurious and they are so deadly to so many people. I think that's been probably the biggest driver, to be honest with you, of what's been happening. But I also think the coercion has been very suspect to people. It's like, there's a lot of ways for people to be healthy, you know, maybe exercise, maybe eat better, maybe take vitamins, maybe, uh, you know, if you're sick, stay home, maybe, you know, uh, learn about alternative healthcare. There's a lot of things that would make people healthy. And yet somehow, you know, 
know, this patented, um, you know, experimental, super expensive, very dangerous product is the only solution. I mean, I think that made a lot of people very suspicious. And then it doesn't work. I mean, when they, when, when they, when they, when they were saying in early 2021, this work. is safe and effective. It and will, it, it will, and it, it will not be, you will not transmit it. I, I talked to Dennis Carroll in June yeah. and yeah. They, he was saying that they needed to do a better message, a better messaging. You know, and then what we knew is that that was that, that whole message was so wrong. I think that's it's another big thing that's waking people up, Christine, is the level of lies, right? They told you that it would, you know, stop transmission. They told you it was safe. They told you it was effective. You don't know. The truth is it doesn't stop transmission. And having gotten two or three or four jabs, you are more likely to be hospitalized. You are more likely to die. Now, of course, that information is being suppressed. They're suppressing treatments that work. I talk to people who are not in my world and, and a lot of them know, oh yeah, ivermectin works. You know, my friend took it or hydroxychloroquine, it saved his life. So I think a lot of people are becoming much more skeptical. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially on behalf of their children, they're deeply resentful that their children basically have been subjected to these, you know, nasal swab tests and to masking and to social distancing. I mean, they've destroyed children's lives. I mean, mm -hmm. straight up destroyed their lives. So I think there's a lot of things that have been waking people up. And as I say, I think we're in the multi-millions of people who support us. And I actually really do believe a silent majority in this country, they understand that you have to have medical choice. And I think millions of people don't fully yet understand, Christine, that there's no liability. I don't think they understand that pharma has no liability, that doctors have no liability, that the government has no liability. I don't think people are completely awake to that. Again, that's a truth that's been really suppressed. But, you know, as people have been injured and they absolutely can't get any help, uh, and there's no remedies and they're not investigating the injuries and they're not working on how to cure people who have been injured. Again, that's going to wake up millions of people. So, you know, one of the things we've learned over the last 20 years, once people understand the um, perversity of this uh, paradigm that a government can mandate a health intervention, you effectively have no choice and they have no liability. Once, you know, people don't go back, Christine. People don't, it's incredibly rare. And, they, and, they, and also people need to know that, that if you are injured and there's no liability, something that may work may not be approved uh, by your insurance carrier. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's, 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 a, you're screwed. I mean, you're on your own, you know, you're never going to be compensated. And so that message is getting out. But my point is, is that once people understand how perverse this system is, how deleterious it is, how incredibly unfair it is, people don't go back and say, oh, you know, I think I'm going to take my third booster or, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an okay system. No. Once people have sort of been converted on some level to understanding these truths, the level of corruption, once people have read Bobby Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, people don't go back, Christine. And actually people like um, Heidi Larson, the head of uh, vaccine um, confidence project at uh, in the UK, and she used to be at UNICEF. I mean, she basically said this herself at this vaccine safety summit in 2019. People who start researching on the internet, you know, they poof, go over to the side of like being very skeptical. And so I don't think any of these people that have sort of come to this, to understanding how bad this system is for public health, I don't think they're going to go back.
So we're already sort of at a very different level, but I am concerned that, um, you know, I do think that the sort of global agenda, the 2030 agenda is a digital ID for every person on the planet and 24 seven surveillance and a social credit scoring system and digital central bank currencies and frequent vaccination. And frankly, uh, an intent to reduce global population. And so I don't think that this is over by any means. And I do think there's going to be more real crises thrown our way in the next few years. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the 2022 campaign uh, this year in the States. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in France with Macron. And yes, in a week. I mean, the first round is, I think, this weekend. I was just talking to a colleague. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so Mary, let's, we always want to plug Bobby's book, The yeah. Real Anthony Fauci. And you thank God that uh, yeah. he's, he's done that book. book. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Christine, he's already working on the next one. I heard that. I he heard that. It's already on Amazon. You can already pre-order the next book in the series, uh, which is literally the next book in the series. So, you know, the real Anthony Fauci uh, really covers the corruption that's been going on for 40 plus years in U.S. public health and in all of these health establishments. But this next book was really going to take you through, take us through sort of page by page, um, you know, how Fauci and others absolutely were involved in the laboratory doing gain of function or bioweapons research in China, and how when it was clear that they might be implicated, they did everything humanly possible to throw people off their trail. Well, I mean, they did. They did, starting with the Lancet report in February 2020. Absolutely. Everybody that was, uh, his name was on that article was involved in some form or fashion. So that's going to be a really, that's going to be another really crucial piece of the puzzle. Christine, I think, you know, I, I, I really trust that we can turn this around. I really do. I really trust that we can turn this around. And I really trust that the crimes here are so enormous. They say, you know, the big lie can survive, but you know, it didn't. I think it's possible to turn this around, but I also really do think that now's the time, right? There's no time for complacency and people do need to start understanding that all of these weird ideas of 24 seven surveillance, social credit scoring, frequent vaccination, vaccine passport, green pass, all of it is connected. It's all um, connected. It's all real. It's not conspiracy. There no, are blueprints of it. There real. are conversations of it. Yeah, it's it's real. It's happening, and and um, it's not the future that any of us want. It, it's just not. Um, it's just not. But one of the things that I struggle with, actually, Christine, is I think it's easy to to peg people who are rejecting this kind of efforts towards one world government. I think it's easy to sort of to to brand those people like myself oddly, as like sort of xenophobic or sort of far right or sort of extremist. And it's really anything but. I mean, it's mm -hmm. I and the people I'm working with, we're all about international <coughs> cooperation. We're all about international solutions. We're all about internationalism, if you will. But what we're not about is essentially communism. We're not about a central control system that can't possibly have the information that it needs to make good decisions for people, in a, you know, locally, you know, think, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Think global, act local. You have to be able to act locally. You have to make the decisions that affect your own life. If you can't. Well, have, you know, see, I, I'm, I'm, I am for freedom. 
Yeah. I, I'm for freedom and I am for accountability. And I really don't care who's in power. I don't care if you're the Pope or the president. Yeah. I don't care wh whether you're Fauci. Uh, I don't care if your wife went to Georgetown, um, you know, and I went to Georgetown. I don't care. You have to be held accountable when Absolutely. you start taking people's freedoms away. And when yeah. you start getting into the medical, we have all we have all known. I mean, for anybody who's ever had a, a loved one who's been damaged or ends up in the hospital. Everybody knows the value of having somebody in the family as a as an advocate. Yeah. When you start not allowing people to be an advocate, all right? Why would we take parental rights away when when we all believe as adults we need to have an advocate in the hospital if we end up there? That's why we have health proxies. So well, it's not logical to chip no. away at parental no. rights. Right. Well, it's not only parental rights. What you're making me think of is think of the horrific scenes that we saw of people in nursing homes, people in hospitals. No, no mm -hmm. loved one could come and be with that person. That's not, you know, that is that's just not who we are. Normal. That's not who we are. That's not doesn't make common sense. It's not normal. Um, you know, that should also be a huge tip off to people. Well, I'm interested to know, Mary, what you find up in New Hampshire. I want you to come back and report to us about, you know, what's going on in New Hampshire uh, and, you know, somebody we should talk to up there. Mary yeah. Howell, good luck in New Hampshire. Good luck with Children's Health Defense and your partners um, in California this weekend. And I, I, I know it's going to be a good success because it was great in D.C. when we covered it in January. Thank you.